of the year. Big chance, Barisha. He's done it again. And it's a goal. Unbelievable. What about this? Dylan Barrios, his first touch of the game. Sanchez. Western United do claim the three points. And Diamanti again. Oh, he's done it twice. He's chipped a keeper. Presented by Simmons. It's the Green Room on FNR. Football Nation Radio. Usually in the uh, the media business, being a fanboy is uh, is frowned upon. Usually it's discouraged to cheerlead in the press box or uh, on these shows. We try and you know stay neutral, give a a, a point of view that uh, is free of bias. But we're making a little exception this week for Hearts fan Lockie Flanagan, who's very excited about our guest this week on the Green Room. Lockie, tell us about. Who we've got waiting on the line. Well, look, as you can see, we, we usually love to wear a bit of Western United branded merch. There mm. is so much great merch and, and we are lucky enough to get a lot of it. But it's all hanging up behind us mm-hmm. at the moment. So I thought, what's the next best thing I can do? Well, when you've got a player like Ben Garuccio coming on the show, a new Western United face and a former Hearts man, there, there, there's really nothing else that I could have picked out of the, the football kit wardrobe. Ben Garuccio joins us now. New signing at Western United. Uh, ben, it's just as well you didn't come into the studio today because I think Lockie would be asking for selfies, autographs. <laughs> I've really stitched him up I've, here, I've ben. really been thrown under the bus quite colossally here. <laughs> I Welcome. can leave you two to it if you like. <laughs> Welcome to the green room, Ben. His face is going as maroon as his... Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, welcome to Western United. Uh, How did you find your first game on the weekend? Yeah, it was um, it was really good. It was obviously for me very long awaited. Um, it was a long, long preseason. Obviously, we did about seventeen weeks, so it was pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, it was it was great to be out there. Um, you know, obviously, we didn't get the result that we wanted. Um, but obviously, you know, it's it's the first game of, the, of a long season. Um, and victory, obviously, are going to be a. I've got I've got an intruder here. <laughs> well, you can't see it at home, but uh, there's a lovely dog that has just entered uh, right of frame. Tell us about your dog. Yeah, she's not allowed to be on the couch, actually. So um, <laughs> she's just on a sneaky here, and she. I think she knows I can't tell her off at the moment. So uh, yeah, she's just jumped up here with me. So um, she's she's lapping it up. Well, you've joined, come across from Melbourne City. Uh, tell us about the pitch the club made to you. What inspired you to uh, sign on the dotted line for the West? Yeah, obviously, you know, I, I spent two and a half years in Edinburgh with Hearts and um, at that stage I thought it was the right time to, to come back, you know, with everything going on in the world with COVID and, and all those sorts of things um, combined. I thought it would be a good decision to come home and um, at that time it was, you know, between a few clubs and, and Western were actually one of them. Um, and in the end, uh, you know, things just happen in football and in negotiations. And um, I ended up at Melbourne City, um, which, you know, turned out to be to be a really good season that we had last year. Obviously, we won it. And, um, you know, that was the first piece of silverware I've won in my whole career. So I think, you know, sort of maybe everything happens for a reason. But on a personal note, I didn't play as much as I would have liked to. Um, so, you know, the, I've got that that burning desire in me to, to play and to achieve the best that I can as, as a player. And um, I thought it would be, you know, time to move on. And, you know, as I said, I was already interested in um, Western United before um, coming back. And, and, you know, we sort of started talks again. Um, and then one thing led to another. And, you know, they were waiting to sign a coach. 
And then, you know, the day after they signed Aloisi, who I've previously worked with. So everything sort of fell into line this time. Um, and, you know, it just felt like the right move for me. Um, and to be honest, since, since coming over, I've, I've loved it. You know, the club's been fantastic. The, the lads, we've got a top group of lads. So, um, no, I'm loving my time here so far. Yeah, well, you, you sort of touched on it there, you know, the, the fact that John came across, I'm sure, helped you two being familiar to one another. Uh, obviously, he's, he's learnt a lot since those days. He's had, you know, different experiences at different A-League clubs as well. But, you know, what was it about John as a coach that sort of helped ease that process of making the decision to, you know, put on a green and black jersey? Yeah, I suppose, you know, familiarity is always helps. You know, when you know that someone knows you and knows the qualities you have, um, it always makes life a little bit easier, especially in a in a transition process like I was going to be in. So that was one thing that, that comforted me. But, you know, just hearing about the club, you know, boys like Lockie Wales that had transitioned from City to, to Western and, you know, he, he speaks really highly of the club and he, he loves it here as well. So when you hear things like that, you know, and then you see the group of boys that we've got, and even the backroom staff, you know, you can't say a bad word about anyone at the club. And I think, you know, all the work they've done in this uh, preseason to, to get us to where we are now, you know, the, the squad that they've assembled, um, our new training facilities at Essendon Footy Club is, you know, I would say probably the best in the league. Um, you know, everything they've done from from the start to the finish has been fantastic. And, you know, for me um, as a player, I feel like I've, I've made the right decision a, a thousand percent. So I'm really happy here. Tell us about the facilities at the hangar where you're training now. Uh, it's been a long pre-season, so I guess those facilities have, have got a fair workout so far. Yeah, oh, it's, it's honestly unbelievable. Like, you know, I think there wouldn't be, you know, a, aside from those top, leagues in Europe, I think, you know, most clubs in Europe wouldn't even have facilities like this, you know, like these are clubs that are the real deal, you know, they've got everything you could ask for and more um, at the hangar. So it's, it's honestly unbelievable. And it does make, you know, going into training every day, you know, so much easier, you know, you're going into amazing facilities. There's, there's everything there that you can use, you know, and, and that helps you to become a better player, whether it's, you know, doing recovery in the, in the pool or the ice baths or, or spa, or, you know, when you've got a gym that's got a hundred different machines. Um, so yeah, even for the boys, you know, like I had a small injury in, in preseason and even the boys now that are injured, you know, for them, it makes a huge difference because they're able to, to use these fantastic facilities and it helps with their rehab, you know, in the gym, um, altitude chamber to get fitness back. Just small things like that, they make a huge difference and also make the rehab process a lot easier as well. Well, a lot of, you know, fans that have probably seen you play and, and know your qualities as an, you know, an attacking fullback from your time at Adelaide, from your time at, at City and, you know, Hart before that. But... I'm going to have to go into it just, just a little bit. Maybe not as many people know about about your time at Hearts. And it, it was probably a little bit of a different experience uh, to the other clubs that you've played for, not just in the sense that, you know, it's playing over in Europe and that sort of thing. But it, I guess it would be fair to say that it was also a bit of a challenging time for you as well in the sense that you really came out of the blocks and started very well with the club. You, know, you were in Socceroos camps at the time, of course, before... Um, I, I, apologies for bringing it up, but, you know, a very unfortunate injury that you sustained, obviously, doing your ACL in, I think it was in training, if I'm, I'm not mistaken. I can't 
imagine, and I'm sure the the fans watching can only imagine how difficult that would have would have been. But that experience uh, over on the other side of the world in a in a different club, you know, how did you how did you manage that time, and 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 what did you learn about yourself, not just as a player, but as a person that's that's taken you to where you are today. Yeah, obviously, you know, those times, those tough times, those dark times are when you do learn the most about yourself um, and you can take a step back and, and sort of reflect on everything you're doing. And I think before that, um, I, w- I went through basically my whole career as probably I would say 95% of young players do that, you know, you think you're invincible, you think you're never going to get a bad injury, mm. um, you know, sort of floated through and I never really worried about the the one percenters, you know, um, you know, whether it's what you're eating, if you're getting a good sleep, hydration, um, really the small details, but they do make all the difference. And, you know, um, I remember, you know, the week leading up to, to the injury, I was not getting good sleep. I wasn't hydrated. We came back in after an international break. Um, we had like double sessions the whole week and it was in one of the last sessions that, you know, an afternoon session. And I literally just turned as I would a million different times before and I did my knee. And, you know, it's not until you do something like that when you're out of the field for 10 months that you actually can step back and go, well, did I actually prepare myself right? Was my body 100% at that time? And I would, you know, argue that that no, it wasn't at that time and, and I paid a, a pretty severe consequence. But it's also allowed me to to look back at my at my time before that and say, you know, I wasn't doing this, I wasn't doing that, I wasn't, you know, worried about hydration and food and sleep and things like this. And, um, you know, I think that's allowed me to become a much better professional. And, you know, I think if you spoke to to majority of players, it would be something like that, that, that you know, force them to change, you know, whether it's a serious injury or, you know, potentially taking a backward step in your career or maybe not getting a contract or something like that for people to actually step back and go, you know what, what I'm doing is not enough and not good enough. And that's how you can hopefully improve. And you've obviously got access to those facilities now at the hangar to link it back to what we were talking about before to, you know, keep your body in, in peak physical condition. What, what, is, what is your kind of training regimen look like now and your routine that you've adopted since that injury and since you've had some time to think about your, you know, your off the field stuff and your training preparation and so forth? Yeah, just now, I, as I said, it, it really is just tiny little details. But, you know, I, I never worried too much about, you know, going in the gym before training and, and getting my muscles, you know, prepped and, you know, we call it prehab. Um, you know, I never worried about that. I was just a young a young lad. I would go out in the field before training, start smashing balls around. I never felt sore. And then, you know, you get an injury like that and you're like, far out, I better – you know, I better make sure, you know, whether it's, you know, you got a tight hammy, I better make sure my hammy's really switched on before I go out to training to make sure that, you know, it's it's well it's well serviced and well prepared for the session. Um, because it is it is something as small as that, you know, you can have a tight hammy, you don't do anything about it, you know, you go out to training and you maybe, you know, haven't eaten well the night before and you and you got a bad sleep and you're dehydrated. And, you know, all it takes is one little movement or you get a nudge the wrong way and there you go, you've, you've done your hammy and then you're out for, you know, 10, 12 weeks through something that could have been avoided just by looking after yourself and, and potentially being a bit smarter. So it is it is really just those small things and, you know, they, they probably sound like nothing, probably sound pretty boring. Um, but, you know, I, I think all the top pros all around the world 
do all of those small things right. And that's why they are on the pitch most of the time. Let's rewind pre-injury to your time at Hearts. Uh, I mean, you were flying for a little while there. Uh, Tell us about that experience in Edinburgh in a football city where, you know, they live and breathe the game. What was the buzz like breaking into the first team, scoring that free kick? (laughs) Yeah, it was was unbelievable. Like, I really didn't know what to expect. I, I didn't know too much about the club before going over. So, you know, it was the way it came about was, you know, an agent called and they said, you know, this club's pretty interested in you. Um, and I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. And they go, they're going to track you. And I say, all right, no worries. And um, I didn't really think too much of it, to be honest. And then literally the day we got knocked out of the finals, we played victory. And the day after I got a call and they were like, all right, are you ready to fly over? And I was like, oh, not that I thought about it, but, I thought, I thought it had gone. I hadn't really heard too much about it. And I was like, all right. Like, so we sort of started getting everything prepared. Um, and then, you know, before I knew it, I was on a flight over to Edinburgh to do, you know, a medical and to sign. And it wasn't until I actually got there. It was obviously like a bit of apprehension, a bit of nerves and things like that. But when I actually got there to the city, I was like, oh, this feels a lot like Australia, but it's just freezing cold. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, as after that, the transition was easy. You know, when I saw the stadium for the first time, when I saw the training facilities, I was like, wow, this club is the real deal. Um, and, you know, probably a lot of people talk down on Scottish football, but, you know, the experience I had there, the way the fans, you know, not just in football, but rugby, they are crazy. Like they, a city with 500,000 people and they get 20,000 to their game every week. Like it's not until you you hear that that you're like, wow, they they live and breathe over there. They really do. Um, and you know, I think I got over there and I was I was loving it. I was enjoying the training. Um, got to the first game and I think we were drawing nil. All. I can't even. I think it was against maybe Inverness or no Inverness was the game I scored. The game before that, I think we played maybe Airdrie or or someone. And we were drawing nil all at half time and we got booed off the park. <laughs> and I was like, all right, this is a little bit different to Australia. So, um, yeah, there is obviously that transition process. But, you know, after that, um, you know, we got a few good results and I managed to break my way into the team. And, um, you know, over there, it's, it's, it is very different. You know, there's super competitive positions. Um, so, yeah, I, I found it tough at times and, you know, it got to a stage where I got myself back in the team and I played, I think, eight or nine games in a row and that's when I did my knee. So I was like, it was a bit of a bumpy ride, to be honest. Like I never felt like I got that that season under my belt where I could just nail my spot down and, and go from there. So it did, it did, you know, if I look back on my time, I would have loved it to go another way. But also, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world. The experience was unbelievable and it helped me grow as a player. So... Um, yeah, I, lo- I love my time over there. Yeah, well, the other thing as part of that experience that we touched on before is that, you know, you were involved in Socceroos camps uh, around that period. I think it was maybe sometime in 2019 that you were in, uh, 2018, sorry, that you were in Turkey. Um, being at a club like Western, where at least on the evidence of this Saturday, um, you know, we'll talk more about the game later, but, you know, being in a position and in a club where, you know, it feels like um, the approach is quite well suited to your strengths as a player. Um, you know, it feels like you're playing in a position and a role where we're really going to see the best of Ben Garuccio that we've seen in previous A-League seasons. 
um, to, to bring it back to the, the Socceroos, is that something that's still an ambition of yours to kick yourself into, you know, a, a good bit of form and, and maybe look at that national team setup? Of course, your fellow fullback Josh Riston has, has had and, and probably got similar ambitions too. Yeah, of course. Like, it's, it's always something that's in the back of your head, but it never happens if you're not playing well at club level. And, like, I basically just want to play well every game at club level. And, you know, the repercussions of that are potential call-ups and things like that. But I never think about that. I never think, you know, I need to play well because I want to make the Socceroos or I need to make the Socceroos. It's just, you know, can I put my best foot forward every week to make sure that I can play every week? You know, that that's essentially what you want to do. You want to play well. You want to nail your spot down and, and you know, be be a helpful uh role role in the in the team you want to provide that for the team and help the team as much as you can and as you as you touched on I think you know the, the style of football that we play will um allow me to to play my best stuff you know as you said I'm an attacking fullback um when I can get forward when I can get put crosses in the box you know get shots away that's when I'm at my best um so you know, so far in the first two games, I've loved it. To be honest, I've been able to get forward. Um, to be honest, yeah, as you said, I have felt like, you know, previous A-League seasons. Um, so if I can get back to that, I think I can help the team, yeah. Well, I guess I think that segues, you know, quite nicely into the, the weekend's game. And, you know, certainly we saw plenty of attacking um, from yourself and, and Josh in the fullback positions, which I can only imagine is something that, you know, John's encouraged you to do ahead of the start of the season. The thing we didn't expect to see quite as much, though, was to see that same uh, propensity and desire to bomb on from the two centre-backs that you've got either side of you in, in Tomoki and Leo. Uh, as a as a fullback, how do you feel when your centre-back sort of looks towards you and says, you know, I'm, I'm going on a bit of an adventure and starts sauntering their way up the field? Because they both did it quite a few times. Yeah, I um, oh, I'm scared. <laughs> big, big Leo just started. I'm I'm waiting for him to play it to me. Just an easy ball outside, and and who knows? And he just starts going on amazing, and I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> Everyone's just like hoping for the best, expecting the worst. But um, yeah, Leo went on a couple of mazes, and yeah, Tamaki loves a maze as well, and. They, they get through. They get through the big lads. I think it's like that element of surprise for the other mm. team. No one expects it, and you know they sort of just they they take a few steps and they pass like four players. Um, but you know, obviously, when you see your centre back go in, you know you need to cover um, cover him. And you know, even if he does lose the ball, you got to um, you make sure everyone's in the right position. That you know, even though he's out of the game, it won't be too dangerous. So, um, but no, you know, Leo's Leo's a machine. He's a he's an animal. And same with Tamaki on the other side. He's a he's a machine, absolute machine. That guy. So, um, yeah, the two boys we've got there are, are, are mountains, and um, you know, they're also comfortable with the ball at their feet, which which is only going to help the team. Yeah, well, I'm not sure if uh, I'm not sure if this still holds, but last last year. Uh... To Mocky's nickname, at least according to Ryan Scott, was was the Mocky Monster. So it certainly speaks to what you're saying about his qualities as a machine. But you are right about the, those centre backs pushing on. It, it seems to be that they get to about like halfway before anyone realizes what what it is they're actually doing. Like neither of they both got a fair way up the pitch. Neither of them were able to get a, a shot off or anything like that. But you imagine that as the season goes on, they'll keep trying it. If you if you had to back one of Tomoki or Leo in in a in a finishing drill. 
Which one do you reckon's got the the best chance of uh, of launching one from from distance and sticking it in the back of the net? You know, I've, I don't reckon I've ever seen Tamaki take a shot. <laughs> he looked like he was going to get a nosebleed. He was that far up the pitch. Not a nosebleed. Not a nosebleed. He dribbled about five players and then he just <laughs> passed out to Lockie and he kicked it out for a throw-in. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon if he was dribbling himself, he would have scored. But um. Yeah, so I have to say Leo because Leo actually doesn't mind it. He gets involved in the shooting drills sometimes, gets in the box, gets a header away. So I'd have to say Leo just based on that. Well, it was a tight game. It was a little bit of a cagey game week one. I don't think either side, you know, wanted to risk uh, too much and, you know, goal off a set piece. There wasn't much in it. How did you rate the performance overall? Because John Aloisi in the post-match press conference was very positive and, and said he, he saw a lot of a lot of good things to build on. Yeah, I think if you look, you know, before the game and, you know, what the coaches want from us and, you know, the structure that they want and, and the way that they want us to play, I think if you look, if we look back at that and we have looked back at that, you know, we really did, we really did execute that well, to be honest, you know, victory for all the players they've got. I don't think they really created that much against us in open play. Um, and, you know, neither did we, you could say. Um, but you know, I do remember. You know, Payne had a Payne had a um, half chance in the second half, and it is. It was always going to be one of those games. You know, I could feel it out there that you know there was only going to be maybe a goal in it. Um, and unfortunately for us, you know, it did. It came from a set piece, which for us is is frustrating um, because you know we we've worked a lot on set pieces and things like that. But um, you know, it happens all over the world. That's where that's where games are won and lost sometimes. So. You know, it's something for us to look back on and, you know, I've said it before that it's round one, you know, I think I think we did a good job for being in round one for, for you know, a new coach, a new team. But I also said that, you know, we don't want to make an excuse that, you know, oh, we played well, but we lost. You know, we, we want to be a team that wins. We want to be successful this year. And, you know, we want to be pushing for finals and, and trophies at the end of the day. So, um, you know, no one's happy with the loss and, and you know, we want to turn it around and get, get those good results and start getting wins on the board as soon as possible. Yeah, and of course, you've also got, you know, players still to, to, to come into this team, you know, players who are still getting you know, match fitness and, and match minutes. It seems to be a sort of consensus that, you know, it was a, a solid start, even if the result didn't want, uh, go your way. But there's, there's certainly more, more to come from, from what you guys can, can put out on the park. Oh, 100%, 100%, you know, and we went over to the fans and, and they clapped us off and they and they cheered us. But at the same time, you know, we, we want to be winning for those fans. You know, we want them to, to come back. You know, we want them to enjoy the style of football we're playing. Um, you know, obviously it was a little bit disappointing that the back end of last year. But, you know, I think we've got a, we've got a top squad um, and we can be challenging right up the top of the ladder this year. Speaking of winning... Uh... We've heard rumours of a, of a secret team song uh, that is sung in the change rooms after a win. Did you sing it after the Newcastle Jets FFA Cup qualifier? We did sing it. There was about half of the team with, with a laminated paper in front of them. <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't know what was going on. And I'm looking over someone's shoulders trying to see the words. So it wasn't maybe the best rendition that they've ever done. But, yeah, we did sing it. So, so the plan, the goal not to this season is not just to, to win, but to, to make sure as a consequence or as an extension, you know those lyrics like off the top of your head, like easy. It's like when the foreigners come to the league and it's Anzac round and the national anthem's gone and they're just 
they're just like, well, <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> well, well actually, actually, Ben, speaking of singing, I, we didn't get a chance to ask you this earlier, but I just want to go straight back to your, to your early days uh, at the start of you know your time at Western United. It's quite a cliche thing that as a player initiation, you've got players getting up and, and singing a song. Was, was that something you had to do when you first got there or was there another initiation that you had to very uh, you know enthusiastically undergo, I'm sure? No, actually, I haven't sung yet. But it's usually the first away trip. Mm. So the ah. night before the game, all the songs are done. And if you don't do it, you know, different clubs are, have got different rules, but usually it's a hefty fine. So, like we, it's a, so what you're saying is it, you're safe for at least another week? Yeah, well, basically we don't play for, I think, the first six rounds. Yeah. So I've, um, I've had more than enough time to, to practice a song. I think by that time I'll be... I'll be belting one out. <laughs> do, do, do you know what you're going to sing yet? Um, I've got a few in the repertoire. Oh, yeah? So it depends what I'm feeling. It could potentially be Red Hot Chili Peppers, potentially maybe Sweet Caroline. There's, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot of safe ones. Like Sweet Caroline is so safe. Yeah, and the club I, uses it a walkout song as well, so you're practicing for know. the games. I, I always, I'm always find myself singing it as I'm walking out. <laughs> I think I think the media team would probably be casting a vote for you singing singing Sweet Caroline. I think that the fans would be on board with that one. Um, ben, we know you've been very generous with your time, but we'll just look quickly ahead to to the game this weekend. Of course, against Perth, um, you know we we talked about the the great job that the back four did. You know, despite you know the the one goal conceded from the corner, everyone else, um, the whole back four did a really good job. But you guys up against Perth Glory for obvious reasons, it's it's a, a challenge with the attacking firepower that they've got. You know, of course, Bruno Fornaroli scoring an absolute belter at the weekend. And Daniel Sturridge will probably be hoping to play a little bit more than nine minutes against you boys. As a defender, how do you feel about that 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 challenge upcoming on the weekend? Excited? Oh, I'm buzzing. I'm, I'm a Liverpool food. <laughs> I'm watching Sturridge bend them in with, with the outside of that left peg. Um, you know, in the, I think it was the Europa League, was it Europa League final? I think yeah. our, our Liverpool supporting uh, producer and Western United team member Nick Hughes is nodding his head. So yes, that that is right. Um, like yeah, of course. It's, that's 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 what you want. You know that you want to be up against the best players, and um, you know that that'll be cool to play against someone like that. I just uh, I hope I'm not giving him half a yard for him to do that. So when you get onto the field, you forget about all of that, and you know you take the game as it comes, as if you're playing anyone. Um, but, you know, we are aware that, you know, they've got players like that. Even Bruno, I've played with him. Um, he can do things like he did on the weekends, you know, in a, in a split second. He's that type of player. So we just have to be wary of that. But um, at the end of the day, we always we always say it inside, you know, you go back to your structures and you go back to what you've worked on in preseason and, and what our structure is and what we represent. Um, and, you know, if, if we can fall back on that, then we'll always be doing well. Um, and, and, you know, we believe in ourselves to, to keep those to keep those goals out of the net. So I don't want to distract you from the game too much, Ben. Of course, you've got, you, you got your job to do. But can we just ask you, if you find yourself marking Sturridge, say from a set-piece situation or if he drifts out to your flank, can you just give us an update on, on the trim? Because he was very fussy about his barber selection. I don't know if you saw his Instagram stories when he was stuck in quarantine in Perth, uh, but he was had very high demands of his hairdressing, and we just, we just want to know if, it, if the hairline is on point. Yeah, I might. Or, you know, I'm probably not the best person to wind him up because my hair is 
disappearing by the day. <laughs> I can't even hammer him because he'll just turn around and go like, man, look at your hairline. <laughs> but um, maybe I'll get one of the other lads that's got a, that's got a decent hairline to, to give him a and just say that the, the barber maybe botched him up a little bit. Who's the best trash talker in the team? We spoke a little bit to Dylan Wenzel-Halls uh, last week because he's, he's got a bit of a reputation having tossled, again, hair-themed Ryan Grant's mullet last season. Yeah, Wenzel's a, a funny guy. Like, he's probably one of the funniest guys in the change room. Like, everyone loves him. and um, But he does get the piss taken out of him a fair bit, Wenzel's. But he, um, he takes it well and he's, he's a legend. But I would have to say, I reckon, Lockie Wales, just because mm. that guy can talk underwater. <laughs> I'd be surprised if there's a fullback in the league that hasn't had a full-blown conversation with him on the pitch. The guy just does not leave you alone. So I reckon it'd have to be him. Like if you if you rub him up the wrong way, he'll just he'll just give you a planet. So I reckon Walesy. The coasty, of course. Yeah, I mean, I, we we had the uh, privilege of bumping into Lockie and a few of the other Western boys when we were in Tasmania last year. And I think... We could probably attest to that as well, actually. <laughs> yeah. That that checks out. <laughs> Lockie loves it. You just get, it's eight o'clock in the morning, you just rolled out of bed and you walk into the change room and this guy is just like motor mouth. He just he <laughs> doesn't when I first got there, I was like, Man, is he for real this guy? <laughs> but you gotta love uh, well, Ben, thank you so much for joining us here on the green room. Best of luck against Perth Glory on uh, on Friday night and uh and you know Good luck coming up against uh, against one of your footballing heroes and then Daniel Sturridge. That's going to be uh, one to remember, I'm sure. Uh, but we'll be sure to catch up with you later on in the season. Uh, welcome to Western United and, and, and best of luck for the rest of it. Cheers, guys. Thanks for having me. Ben Garuccio, our guest today on The Green Room. We've got another one coming up on the other side of this break, though, Lockie. Director of Football, Steve Horvat. We're going to ask him what his job is, which is more exciting than know. you might stand. Uh, it's a complicated position. Uh, Bruce Gita wrote an article about it recently for Keep Up. Uh, part accountant, part talent scout, all visionary. Let's so, see what it means to Steve. Absolutely. On the other side of this break here on The Green Room, presented by Simmons Homes. Western United, can they find something here? Big chance, Barisha! Presented by Simmons, it's the Green Room on FNR, Football Nation Radio. And we're back here on the official Western United Club show on FNR, Football Nation Radio. It's the Green Room presented by Simmons Homes, the great Australian builder. I'm Josh Parrish. I've got Lockie Flanagan here with me. And next, joining us in the Green Room is Western United Football Director Steve Horvat. Steve, welcome back to FNR. Thanks, guys, and good to be on. Yeah, it's fantastic to have this show back just so we get to talk to people yeah. like yourself and give a bit of behind-the-scenes look at uh, the A-League's most ambitious club. We'll start with the game over the weekend. Obviously a disappointing result, but uh, what did you take out of it? 
Yeah, it was uh, probably like all the games on the weekend, pretty cagey affairs, mm. you know. There, were, there was a lot of draws. There was probably only one goal in any of the results. So it's probably been really tough for a lot of the teams this season in the preparation phase of, uh, of pre-season because of lack of match practice and, and game opportunities. So you're probably going to find the first few weeks of the season will be a little bit as we saw in week one. Um, there were really probably no standout sort of results but for us a lot of positives to take away outside of the results we really kept Melbourne victory to very limited opportunities I thought our back four was really excellent in a defensive capacity and plenty to work on going forward you know we've still got uh, big Alexander Priyavich to be 100% fit but once he gets uh, on the park and fully fit we'll have that focal point going forward as well so look you know plenty to build on uh, trophies aren't handed out in, in, in round one so, um, you know, plenty of work for John and his team, but uh, I, I think there's a lot of uh, exciting prospects moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's what the the read that most of us took away from that game is, you know, not the result you would have desired. It did feel like one of those games where if it wasn't going to end as sort of a, you know, a scoreless draw, it was going yeah. to be a, a corner or a penalty or a free kick or something like that. Um, and unfortunately, just one of those ones where it didn't break your way, but definitely plenty of positives. And I thought one of the other ones as well, was just the, the you know the the atmosphere at the game um, to have people back. I mean, victory obviously brought uh, good travelling support, but I think both yeah. sets of fans. You know, we could hear from from the press box like it's so refreshing. Uh, I think particularly in the last few years of the A League to be at a game where you hear both sets of fans belting it out, and it must be really pleasing for you to to sit there and and and, and soak that in on on a match yeah. day as well. I mean- Uh, and uh, I think to have the fans back in the stands, and I think uh, from this Friday it's full capacity, uh, mm-hmm. so no longer fifty percent, which it was on the weekend. So um, you know, great. I mean, obviously as a player, that's what you revel in—you know, the atmosphere and and the banter, and even going away. As a boss, you know, you love. Uh, sort of sport you know obviously you know the sport thrives on um you know the emotion and passion of the fans and it's great to have them back now you were a defender yourself in your playing day were you not steve yes i was indeed that's why uh i'm not sure if the fnr wi-fi is holding up today we're dropping out just a little bit steve but we'll push on through um okay Leo Lacroix looks like an absolute Rolls Royce of a central defender based on what we saw on the weekend. Uh, tell us about the process of signing him, how you identified him as a talent and uh, what he brings to the team. Yeah, well, there's, you know, I'm, in my, I'm, I'm on a lot of committees, football committees, and, and one of those is a recruitment committee where, you know, we look at a whole host of players and, and look at their attributes and how they're going to fit into what we're trying to build here as a football club. You know, and he sort of popped out uh, amongst, you know, probably 10 to 15 central defenders that we were looking at uh, as a real player that was at the right age, um, possessed the attributes that we needed in our team. Obviously, there's no denying he's he's a man mountain. uh, So height was was one thing. But uh, as well, the way he uh, reads the game and actually steps out when he defends, uh, I think it's... A criticism I have of, of a lot of defending in this country where we t- tend to delay and, and backtrack, whereas 
both himself and Tamaki Mai are those type of defenders that put forward pressure on the ball. So they actually push their opposing player back towards their goal. And you just saw on the weekend and even the week before in the FFA Cup game, Leo, how many interceptions, cutouts and and clean ball winners that he had in, in 90 minutes of football. So, yeah, he's, um, he's he's a great player and he'll only get better. You know, I mean, all of our foreigners have only been in the country a short period of time. But, um, you know, not only it's what he brings on the park, but off the park as well. It's, it's a big facet of when we recruit players, we try and find the right character that's going to fit into the squad um, and actually lead for us as well. Yeah, well, I think any Western United fan listening to that, hearing... Steve Horvath say that there is more to come from Leo Lacroix after the opening game. Must be very, very pleased. I mean, Michael Long coming through in the uh, the Facebook comments on the live stream saying, Hi, Steve, did you check Leo's pocket to see if Chris Economides is still there? Certainly speaks to the, uh, the quality of the game that he played on the weekend. But what I'm really interested in, Steve, you know, obviously, clearly, at least in the early signs, you, you've identified a, a really, really quality player. How do you uh, and the rest of the team sort of work with John to uh, over the off season to identify what you need and, and and which players you want to bring in. How does that process work? Well, it's really again there's a there's a there's a committee that that works through uh, the balance of the squad and the makeup of the squad. You know, um, so uh, I think we probably. Uh, moving into this season, we maybe lacked, uh, we lost a lot of a fair bit of leadership and, and more experienced players. So we look to top up in that area. So, you know, it's really a process uh, amongst four of us that really sit down and have a look at, you know, where the deficiencies are and what we need to build on. And not only that, we, we then look at, uh, okay, so we look at obviously the short term, but then the long term. So you look two, three, four years out. So who are the players that, are in the squad that will be the next in line in, in certain positions. So, you know, really it's, it's, it's about the balance and the makeup of the squad that's uh, incredibly important. Talking about the role of, of the football director and what it actually means, uh, Bruce Gitte occupied that same position. I'm sure it's different in every club, but that same role at Adelaide United wrote recently for the Keep Up uh, website that uh, you're not CEO, you're not coach. Instead, you're part accountant, part talent scout, part mediator, and overwhelmingly chief visionary. Is, is that what you call yourself, Steve? Chief visionary? Yeah, look, uh, I'm not sure about visionary. I've, I've sort of been around this club for, you know, since its inception. So uh, I, I guess, you know, it's it's more around the, the holistic values and, and where the, the football club and its identity is going. I mean, at the moment, the big focus for us is our academy, you know. Um, you know, the 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 elite part of the business is is pretty set. We've got Malin Pombato, who's our general manager of football, the coaching staff, and all the all the all the team that works around there. So that's going along fine. The, the next phase is, and you know, we've just employed Anthony Frost last week to be our first academy director. So I'm working very closely with him on the next generation of football players for Western United, whether that's in two years, five years or 10 years, both boys and girls. You know, our partnership with Calder is incredibly exciting and and come next season we'll have a W League team as well. So the club in in such a short amount of time is growing incredibly quick. Um, You know, in in a couple of years we we may have between 10 and 20 teams running around in the green and black from all ages. So that to me is incredibly exciting and that's obviously the next phase of uh, where the club needs to get to. 
Having seen the MPL3 side play a few times uh, last season, uh, it was a truncated year, of course, and disappointing because the side was well in the mix for promotion before the season was suspended. But some of those talents in that team were really standing out. I mean, mm. be it Adisu Bayo, who's gone on to represent the Oli Roos, be it Adjak at, at centre-back, I was hugely impressed by. Uh, Nicholas Milanovic, who's been making match day squads. Uh, so already there are there are guys coming through. Obviously, with the program not being in operation that long, they've been signed from elsewhere. But uh, it's a bit of a finishing school here. Tell us about the uh, the progress of of those those types of players, and and if we might see them crack into the first team this season. Yeah, look, it was you know it was a, it was a, a bittersweet season, I suppose, because like you guys mentioned, we were knocking on the door of promotion, and although it wasn't a focus, but we always believe that. You know the the academy and for young players to develop, they need to be. We wanted to you know try and get our academy up to either NPL two and in the future NPL one. So it was um, you know it was a pity, um, but uh, again we we saw a lot of talent come through as you mentioned. You, you know Adisu Bayu, you know twelve months ago wasn't wasn't known as a footballer, and all of a sudden he's playing in the uh, in the Oli Roos, which is incredibly exciting, and that's what these programs are about are about unearthing talent in the West and developing them and, and getting them to play not only for the green and black, but eventually, hopefully, for the Socceroos and the Matildas. So, you know, a lot of work is going to be done in the next little while about, you know, trying to understand more talent because it's out there in, in the western suburbs and, you know, Geelong and Ballarat and those types of places. So it's incredibly exciting. Mm. Well, Steve, as you've already outlined, you know, your job as a football director just involves wearing so many different hats. What is the the most rewarding and and satisfying part of this this job for you? Is it you know as you're sort of alluding to there, getting that chance to see players come through? What what is it about this job that is the most satisfying element of it? Look, I, I think you know obviously you know the at the elite level you know it's so results uh driven you know and you know there's a lot of pressure to to win on the weekend you know and then when i was you know driving up and and going to all these suburban grounds like we've done for for many years in the npl and and the lower leagues and watching our young boys who aspire to play at that level you know one time and even what was really exciting and 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 great to see as a football club the players that were coming down from the first team squad and playing in the NPL on those weekends, they were committed to the cause. You know, they weren't turning up and throwing their arms around and not happy that they weren't in the in the match day squad. They gave their all for that team. And I think that's a big reason why the team did so well. And it really helped develop the younger players like the Ajax you mentioned, the Sabits and all these Aeons and all these players that, that came through during the season. So really gave me a lot of joy to see that NPL team do so well and, and it will do as well when we bring in the, uh, the younger teams uh, in the academy. Got some questions coming through on the Facebook Live. Uh, Michael and Adrian, both keen to know how uh, new signing Rene Krahin is travelling and uh, when he might be involved because obviously... You know, with those international uh, players coming in and the hotel quarantine, it's it's pretty difficult to get them, you know, ready and raring to go match fitness-wise. Yeah, it's been really tough, you know, and, and with the 14-day quarantine um, and he came out of quarantine and lost a bit of weight and has, has not been, uh, and you know, he's not been really doing that well on the training track. So we're just going to ease him into the season. Um, but, you know, hopefully he's only a few weeks yeah, well, I mean, John, uh, Aloisi, uh, oh, 
sorry to, sorry to cut you off there, Steve. We just cut out a little bit there. But um, uh, going back to what you said about about Rene, you know, losing a little bit of weight while he was in quarantine. I mean, John Aloisi was saying at the the press conference on the weekend that you know he's lost five kilos, not just five kilos of general body weight. We're talking five kilos of, of muscle, which is you know. For someone my size, is a terrifying thought. <laughs> so I, I can only imagine that that must have just had a massive toll on on him and and you know how it's gonna or what it's gonna take rather to to integrate him back in. Yeah, it does, and, yeah, and you're right. It's it's really important to get the foreign spots correct, you know, and, and right in the A League, and and it's something that we did a lot of work on and a lot of homework in the off season to get the right fit of players. Uh, we think we have the right. And the right blend, so it'd be great to get him on the park, definitely. Well, speaking of all those foreign signings, I think we there might have to be a, a red carpet. I don't know if this is one of your roles as well, but someone is probably going to have to go out and, and get the red carpet for this Friday night because there is quite a lot of stars taking the field uh, when Perth Glory come down. Of course, they've got Big Bear Daniel Sturridge, who hopefully will you know at least come off the bench, maybe even start. But you guys have got plenty of stars yourself, of course. Diamante almost goes without saying at this point, but Priovic as well, someone we're hoping to see more of this weekend. It's a pretty exciting spectacle you've got on your hands at GMHBA this weekend. No, it is, and, and like you said, we're not sure how you know how much how much uh, you know. And obviously, being a, a Liverpool fan, I'm, I'm ha- excited to see Daniel Sturridge as well. I think it's a great get for the A League. Um, but again, you've got somebody like Priovic, and in those those two strikers, there's no one with better resumes uh, in running around in the A League uh, at the moment than those. Two. So it's going to be an incredible lot of football. I mean, obviously, the last time we played at home was a was a crazy game that didn't do too much for my blood pressure. That finished five four in our favour. Great for the neutrals. Um, great for the fans. Not great for the coaches. But if we get a game like that, then we'll be uh, we'll be blessed. Absolutely, and uh, extra incentives to come down because. Uh, kids go free under twelves, and I understand members can uh, can bring some friends along as well, free of charge. Yeah, look, I think it's it's important that we now that you know the uh, the crowds are at a hundred percent, we try you know some initiatives, you know, to get the crowds through the gate to experience um, you know elite sport again. Because I think there's still probably a lot of hesitancy in people to to get out there. So you know, it'll be a great spectacle on Friday night, kicking off uh, round two and mainly in after. Well, that's uh, 7.45 kickoff at Amy Park. Uh, Western United taking on Perth Glory, who've uh, played the reserves tonight, we understand. The kids against Melbourne Victory in their MFFA Cup qualifier to make sure their first team is ready for the game. So uh, full-strength sides going out there or, or near enough. Uh, Steve, uh, before we let you go, uh, we do want to ask you a little bit about the the local boys that you've signed this season and, of course, the head coach, John Aloisi. I mean, obviously, the foreign players, we've gone into that and the sort of age profile, you're looking for leadership. Uh, but what has John brought to the table in terms of what he wants and, and the style of players that he's looking for? I think what he's brought from day one is incredible work ethic. Uh, you know, he's first in, last out, leads by example, and I think that's really rubbed off on on the playing group. And you know, there's no, uh, it's no secret that we didn't finish the season uh, in great shape uh, last time around. So it was really important to to have someone come in that was a great communicator. Um, 
could really talk to the players on their level, but also be 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 hard when when he needed to be. And you know, I, I go to training and, and I see a group of players that want to be out there. There's smiles on faces. They're still putting in the work, but there's a you know there's a real joy to what they do uh, day in day out. So I think you're going to see that rub off throughout the season. Yeah. So really exciting. Yeah, and I think it's something that we've had uh, all of the guests who've been lucky enough to have on the green room so far. I think the consistent theme mm. uh, from you know from Previch in the first episode to, to Ben this week um, is mentioning that that culture and the the sort of off-field energy that exists. It must be so pleasing to see a, a head coach, you know, that you've been responsible in, in appointing, get that buy-in from a playing group just, just so quickly. Um, and, and it must set you up really well for the season ahead. Yeah, it does. And, you know, it's, 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 an, it's an obvious one when you bring somebody like John Aloisi that he has that... Um, that respect immediately for his playing career. But I think you've got to earn that respect as a coach. And he's earned that with our playing group really quickly. So uh, it's uh, it's great to see. And, uh, yeah, I'm really excited for the season. Steve, oh, you got one I more. Got one, I've one got more. one final one just because it, bringing up Ben Gariccio jogged my memory. Of course, that, that means we've had two Liverpool fans on this evening. Uh, both making mention of Daniel Sturridge. So at Amy Park, the question is, we, we've got Ben Garuccio, we've probably got Steve Horvat, and maybe a, a queue of others lining up to potentially uh, ask for a, a jersey swap with Sturridge. Who, who <laughs> wins that, no, who wins no that battle? Swaps. There'll be no jersey swaps from me, no selfies, um, no no autographs. So you're happy uh, to be... let Ben Garuccio win that battle <laughs> or fight it with other people? <laughs> Go for his life. All good. <laughs> well, it'll be easier to take home Daniel Sturridge's jersey when Ben stuffs him in his pocket on yeah, Friday exactly. night. Uh, Steve, thank you so much for joining us here on The Green Room. We'll be sure to catch up with you throughout the season, but uh, best of luck for Friday. Thanks, guys, and love the work you do. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Steve. That wraps up The Green Room for this week. Apologies for a bit of dodgy Wi-Fi there. Uh, things happen. We haven't been able to get people into the studio because we're conscious of unnecessary contacts in this area of COVID times, but going forward as restrictions ease, we'll be able to get uh, players in here. And I'm sure Lockie will be keen because, uh, you know, he's always up for a free giveaway. Yeah, we, man, man, just maybe. after Ben Garuccio, we, we went to the ad break. Lockie was, uh, was offered a freebie. I can't believe it. That's true. <laughs> must be nice. <laughs> must be nice. But uh, yeah, ho- hopefully we, we can get that happening as the season comes ahead. Mm. And, and also just um, get out and about with the players as well. Mm. I think we're both really looking forward to doing that. Yep. We obviously had um, a, a great time in, in Tasmania last year, getting to interact with the players and you know having coffee with Ikara. I'm sure there's there's plenty of other of those sorts of memories that we can mm. uh, continue to make over the course of this season. But um, I think you know, we'll get to that. But the immediate focus is, is this Friday because I think it's – it's possibly the, the the game of the round Yeah, uh, at Amy Park. It's pretty exciting, I have to say. Uh, the the travelling circus that is uh, Perth Glory this season coming to town. And we mean town. that in the best possible oh, yeah. way. I mean, star attraction. And uh, and Western United, no slouches themselves. We've talked about mm. the calibre of foreign recruitment. Um, and, you know, a point to prove after going down 1-0 to victory last week. So uh, make sure you get down to Amy Park Friday night, 7.45 p.m. Get your tickets because it's going to be 100% capacity. So uh, it's going to be a good atmosphere. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Lockie, um, it's been great having you on the show. It's been great seeing the interaction live on yeah. uh, as the social media channels. Make sure you get in touch with us here at FNR if there are particular guests you'd love to see on the show, questions you'd like asked, themes you'd like explored. Uh, We love the audience participation, uh, so keep that coming. But until next week, it is goodbye for now. 
Western United, can they find something here? Big chance, Barisha! He's done it again! And it's a goal! Unbelievable! What about this? Dylan Piraeus, his first touch of the game! Sanchez! Western United do claim the three points! And Diamante again! Oh, he's done it! Twice! He's chipped a keeper! Presented by Simmons. It's the Green Room on FNR, Football Nation Radio.